0: The Guardian
1: Throughout the pandemic, but increasingly in recent weeks, we've heard ministers and some senior scientists say that at some point we're going to have to learn to live with coronavirus. Plenty of people argue that we should just get on with it, and treat it in much the same way as seasonal flu. And yet just last week there was a vote in the Commons to delay the easing of restrictions, the final step in England's roadmap, which some had dubbed Freedom Day. Are we really ready to go back to normality, whatever that means? And what will the world look like once we've learned to live with the virus? From The Guardian, I'm Ian Sample and this is Science Weekly. Speaking to Professor Sean Griffiths from the Chinese University of Hong Kong and Professor David Salisbury, Associate Fellow in the Global Health Program at Chatham House, I wanted to understand what this phrase living with the virus really means.
2: What it means to me is that uh, the virus is not going to go away, and I think that we've seen that we had we've had sequential um, surges of different variants, and we're more likely we're quite likely to get uh, further mutation and more variants, which means that uh, you know the coronavirus is changing as we go. So coronavirus will stay around. Which form of coronavirus we don't know. It means that we need to have strategies that deal with the fact that we have an ongoing disease, which tends to be uh, worse in in the winter, uh, a bit like flu, and we need to somehow get to a public health position where we are preempting a sudden surge, that we can immunise our population.
0: We will move to vaccine plus. It won't be sufficient to think that just vaccine will be everything that we need to get life back to as it used to be. And I think vaccine plus will change as circumstances change. We will be repeatedly vaccinated, and the plus will be different degrees of social distancing, different degrees of working from home, and even different degrees of lockdown should that be necessary. We've been very fortunate so far that the vaccines that we are using have protected, let's just say, forwards, and so far they have given us a degree of protection against the variants, but we might find ourselves in a position where the variants are sufficiently different from the vaccine that we will have to keep on and on developing modified vaccines and vaccinating our high-risk populations. So I don't think it will be a matter of vaccines and then back to normal. I think we will be living with the virus and we will be adapting our lifestyle, adapting our vaccines for a considerable
1: period ahead. What's not clear to me, I think, is that a lot of what you've both said sounds only gradually different to what what we experience now. And is there not a line to be drawn between the life we're we're experiencing now where most of the many of the restrictions on our lives are defined by covid and a life beyond when we are now in this new realm of whatever it means to be living with the virus is that not a different state of society in a sense
0: i think we will be behaving differently as long as this virus continues to cause problems and My expectation is that it will continue to circulate in parts of the world where there is either no vaccination or relatively little vaccination. This will encourage more variants, and we will have to be able to adapt our vaccine strategy to deal with variants. And we may find that we go all the way back, as it were, almost to where we started, if we had a variant that was distant from the vaccine, such that all of the risk groups became very much at high risk again, with all of the threat of intensive care admissions, deaths, um, until we had a new vaccine again that would protect us. So the idea that everything is going to wonderfully go back to normal shortly i think is is not right
2: so things have have inevitably they're not going back to normal So we have to find a way of progressing, one that accepts that COVID is around in society, one that accepts that we need to have a flexible response, that we need a very strong public health system that's strong on surveillance, on global surveillance, that can respond quickly, can share information, and we need the investment in research so the most effective response possible.
1: Part of me wonders whether this phrase, living with the virus, is actually a euphemism. Um, Is it not simply a sort of more palatable way of saying we have to get back to a life more normal and take on the chin the fact that people will keep dying of this disease?
0: I think there's a sort of rationalisation being foisted on us that we just should look at this as flu, we live with a burden of flu, some people die from flu, some people get vaccinated, and we'll be in a similar position with coronavirus, and that it's somehow acceptable to have a burden of coronavirus that could be the same or even worse than the burden of flu, and that justifies us throwing all caution to the winds and going back to our previous behaviours. And I think that's a very difficult moral, ethical judgment because we don't accept that it's reasonable to live with a degree of polio. we try to eradicate it. We don't accept that it's reasonable to live with a degree of measles or even vaccine-preventable pneumonia. Um, And just to say... Well, it'll be all right, it'll be the same as flu, means that we are accepting potentially preventable deaths that would be prevented by different behaviours, plus obviously the vaccine programme, plus hopefully better treatment.
2: I think there's also another dimension that we need to spend more time on and that's the impact of the social measures that have been in place for you know and the measures on mental health the impact on the economy the impact on inequalities and all the issues that that's raised and we need more discussion we need we need better discussion of of, of those issues which have been raised um uh, i i think that uh, we've put communities under huge strain and we need to recognize, as we talk about Freedom Day, that we have, we have long-term burden from this disease. It's not just long COVID, it's actually the long-term social burden, which needs to be explored and the support, appropriate support put in. How do we actually manage to uh, get to a balance which is not as unfair as it's become? So it's, it's a very complicated moral and ethical situation we find ourselves in.
1: Here in England, we are due to lift the the Step Four restrictions, the final legal COVID restrictions, uh, on the nineteenth of July. Given the delay that we, we've just um, we've just seen introduced, will that not be whenever that Step Four is taken? Will that not be the moment that we are then into this situation of living with the virus? I don't think we're ready to do that. Uh, I think that that the
0: risk remains to me, too high to think that we can lift all restrictions and lift the power that we currently have to impose restrictions. If I thought that we would go back to restaurants where you you can hardly move your elbows because of other people around you and we have no power to spread people out in restaurants any longer, I think we would be entering into a risk that I don't think is justifiable.
2: From Hong Kong, they have powers that I think they're basically public health powers, which allow them uh, to... Flex, be flexible. Uh, For example, numbers of people in restaurants, whether um, uh, mask wearing, working from home, all those strategies are flexed uh, in response to the numbers of cases to provide maximum protection to the population. So I think this is an ongoing conversation which should be guided by public health principles about what harm is, you know, what's the risk of harm to the population and what needs to be done to protect the population and phrased like that, then you do need to continue to be aware that there are regulations that can be brought into force.
1: So if not the 19th of July, what's your best guess, each of you, on on when we will be in some sort of steady state that we would describe as, okay, we're now living with this?
0: Predicting how long the circumstances are going to uh, remain is impossible because we are faced with circumstances that are way outside of our control. Whilst we may at the moment have good control, a degree of control over the uh, transmission of this coronavirus because we've achieved high levels of vaccination, the threat that comes to us from variants arising elsewhere will be in place whilst other parts of the world do, do not and probably will never achieve the degree of vaccination that we have achieved.
2: The primary focus is by each country is, is on its own population, which is absolutely right. Uh, but there's also a growing recognition that we really need to get the mechanics of global support, uh, the mechanics of the COVAX system, uh, the, the work of the WHO, uh, the role of the WHO, interplay with, uh, with the countries that need support so, um, you know, you saw it uh, uh, at the G7, you saw the, the pledge for a billion doses of vaccine. You can comment one way or the other, but at least the, the pledge was there. Uh, and there is a recognition, whether it's the primary recognition is a different issue. But there is a recognition that unless COVID is approached as a global issue, we will always have COVID
1: a lot of the global response, certainly the UK response to coronavirus has taken the form of restrictions imposed by government. And I'm wondering whether you think we need as individuals to take on more responsibility for protecting ourselves and those around us as part of this transition to living with the virus. I mean, taking the example of HIV, we we all sort of quickly learned the choices we could make to reduce our risk of exposure. Um, Where does individual responsibility come into this step towards the new normal living with the virus?
0: I think that we will change our individual behavior based on the experiences that we've been through. And I think that people's preparedness to wear masks, people's preparedness to maintain a degree of social distancing, and awareness of our behaviors towards others and the risk of both being infected and infecting other people will mean that that we will behave in a different way, aware of our personal responsibilities and our social responsibilities. I think you will see a continuing economy in, in mask purchasing. So uh, I think our behavior will change and it will change both for our own protection and for the protection of people around us.
2: I think that uh, we do need to just remember the basics of hygiene as well as the basics of coming forward for vaccination when invited. And so far, the compliance of the UK population in all these areas has been extremely good. Let's hope that it continues because we keep hearing how tired people are. What we have to remember is that we need to keep people positive in this world and keep people going so um let's let's end on a message of hope that uh, all the contributions that are being made are ones that will uh, reduce the risks for the future
1: thank you both professor sean griffiths and professor david salisbury for your time we'll include a link to the guardian's latest reporting on covid19 including my analysis on living with the virus and our today in focus podcast with sarah bosley on living with covid in the podcast webpage. If you have any programme ideas, thoughts, or feedback, please get in touch at scienceweekly at theguardian.com. We also wanted to let you know about a very special audio visual project The Guardian was involved with recently. It's called Auditorial, and it's an innovative experiment from The Guardian, Google, and RNIB. It was created to showcase the possibilities of accessible stories for blind and low vision audiences. On the platform, an audio-led piece called The Silent Spring explores the devastating effects of the climate crisis on the sounds of the natural world. The story centres around Bernie Krause, who was originally featured in our own Science Weekly and Today in Focus podcasts in 2018. To have a look or listen, head over to g.co forward slash auditorial. We'll also include a link on the podcast page. We'll be back next Tuesday. See you then.